Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals, just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy, and this is the podcast for therapists about the things that we do, the things that we should be aware of in helping our clients and making therapy a better place. And we are joined today by Sujin Lee, LMFT and director of the Yellow Chair Collective. And wanting to have a really good conversation today about working with immigrants and refugees, particularly we're going to focus this episode around working with Asian clients, Asian immigrants and refugees, some of the considerations that we should have and how this fits within kind of the broader discussions around immigrants and working with these kinds of clients that we've either ignored or not really had a great conversation about. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. We are so excited to have you here and have this conversation. You and I met like almost probably a year ago and talked about this. And so I'm so glad we were able to make this happen. The first question we ask everyone is, who are you and what are you putting out into the world? Yeah. So as Kurt introduced, my name is Susan Lee. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and the director here at Yellow Church Collective. I guess a little bit about me outside of that is I myself am also an immigrant. So I am what's considered a 1.5 generation immigrant. Um, and that just means that I came here at a very young age. I will also talk about this a little bit, I'm sure, within this podcast, but I also grew up as an undocumented immigrant. And so those are aspects that I would love to introduce everyone to today. So we usually start with a question to help people in the learning process. This is not a, a shaming sort of question. This is a, if we can prevent people from making the same mistakes that other people have made in the past, but what do therapists typically get wrong in working with immigrants and refugees? Yeah. So one of the biggest things that come to mind for me is not having a proper assessment questions or maybe even just having a lot of fear, general fear around asking clients about their immigration story, right? When I say immigration story, I, I imagine that when people see me when I went to go see a, uh, see a therapist, my therapist also never bothered to ask me about my immigration story. So she never, in the span of two years, 
found out that I was an immigrant and that even I was an undocumented immigrant, which speaks to a big chunk of my life, right? And so those are missing pieces, I think, in the therapy room, oftentimes because those are not asked. So the therapists don't really get a full picture of a lot of immigrant and refugee experiences or the family of origin backgrounds. And I think this comes uh, often for the case for a lot of monolingual clinicians that are speaking English, and they find themselves sitting with a client that also speaks English very fluently. (laughs) So then the assumption is that we're both American citizens sitting in the room together, right? There seems to be a lot of space for assumption in here and wondering if you could maybe give a little bit more guidance as far as like, on one hand, don't want to assume that you're American by birth, but also don't want to assume that you're an immigrant just because you would appear different than a monolingual white clinician. I could see this potentially going both ways here. Do you have maybe a a recommendation for people working with communities outside of their own backgrounds to maybe navigate that line a little bit? Yeah, for sure. And I think one of the things that we'll go into detail about a little bit later is about how to frame and ask these questions. But I think the first thing is to get into the mindset of when you're assessing a client, just as much as you're asking them about their trauma history, that you get into the habit of asking about their cultural values and backgrounds and belief systems, which not only includes their immigration story, but it also includes their spiritual backgrounds as well. I would imagine that even just broadly asking about family and about cultural values, that that that, that would be something that would organically come up. Is that your experience? Exactly. The immigration story. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so when the therapist was asking me, and I often are asking about family dynamic issues or things that are impacting barriers that your parent and you are having, uh, oftentimes the immigration story is part of that if they are immigrants or refugees. It seems like there's a, a knowledge here that we need to have that we don't quite have yet. And so I want to ask more of a basic question, which is we're, we're kind of using immigrant, refugee, and undocumented immigrant. Can you help us kind of make sure that we're all on the same page on those definitions? Yes. So let's start by definitions, the fun stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, I'm going to add another term to this conversation as well, another definition as well. But first things, um, let's define refugees, right? This is a term that is being thrown around a lot on the news right now. So refugees are, are people who have fled their own country because they are at the risk of serious human rights violation and persecution from where they're residing, right? They're fleeing their country, they're fleeing their home. Okay. So those are widely known as refugees and can be defined as being refugees. Now, another term that I want to define that you didn't ask is asylum seekers. And the reason why I want to do that is because on the news, they're also used, you know, interchangeably. Yeah. So asylum seekers are exactly the same, like a person that is leaving their country and seeking protection from persecution and serious human rights violations from their own country, but who haven't yet been legally recognized as a refugee. And they're waiting to receive the decisions for the claim. 
of their asylum. Okay. Right. So there's kind of this legal status that is the uh, the difference. Okay. So on the news, they're kind of thrown around, you know, interchangeably. But if a client is defining themselves to be either an asylum seeker or a refugee, that really speaks into kind of this political legal status of standing that they are in in this country. So now we go into immigrants then. (laughs) And immigrants, like I identified myself as an immigrant, right, are people that have made a conscious decision to leave their country, their home, and to move to a foreign country. And their intention of moving is to resettle there, right? To not go back home and relive there, but to resettle into this new country. So we have a lot of immigrants in this country, right? A lot of people come from other places around the world and their intention, and they make that decision very consciously. They plan for this immigration journey and they they intend on resettling here, making this into their home, right? A lot of the reasons for resettling, a lot of people ask me this too, like, why, why do people want to live here? <laughs> why, why the United some States? Of them with, some of them with a little bit of a snarky attitude, right? Like, why would anybody want to live here? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. And there's a bunch of reasons. So I can't tell you exactly what those reasons are. And that's for you to find out with your client, right? Sure, <laughs> if sure, they are exactly. the immigrants, if they are the refugees. And you know that these are two different kind of journey that they have gone through. If they're a refugee, they've really left out of a need. Well, for immigrants too, they do leave out of a need oftentimes too. But for refugees, really, they had no choice but to leave. But for most of the times, a lot of immigrants did have the choice to leave. Now, I'm going to add to that just a little bit, uh, because for me, as I've introduced myself, it was kind of a unique where I didn't really get a choice to leave, but I am still an immigrant too, right? And so an undocumented immigrant are people who are born in another country, but have no legal status in the United States. You know, it's funny because as I was kind of preparing this and I was trying to think about how to define these kind of terms, I read an article that was defining undocumented immigrants as foreign-born person who does not have legal rights to remain in the United States, right? And so when I saw this definition, I felt like, wow, this is perfect portrayal of how many Americans think about undocumented immigrants, right? That they don't have any rights to be here. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. So my definition is that I just don't have or had in the past a, a legal status here, a document that tells me my identity as anything here in the United States. You're talking about dreamers, right? So um, dreamers, well, I do identify as dreamers, but undocumented immigrants are anyone that does not have any legal status in the United States. Okay. Yeah. Dreamers, I identify as dreamers, and that's another term where um, they came. So with their parents as young children in the United States and became undocumented through that journey, right? Okay. So... An example of that is, and you can add this too. So 
the reason why I was undocumented is because my parents came here with a tour visa, a visitor's visa. So a visitor's visa in the United States from where I'm from allows you to stay in the United States for up to six months. Their intention was to overstay the visa and resettle here, but they could not find any other way of staying in the United States without having found a a job (laughs) in the six months of visiting the country, right? Which they really couldn't. They couldn't find a right sponsor and a job. So then um, during the time that my parents were looking for a job that would sponsor them to become residents, we all became undocumented. And then during the time where that sponsorship was gained and lost and this whole process of becoming a resident, I ended up becoming 21 years of age and older, which meant that my parents were able to gain their residency status where I had to now be an adult here by myself applying to become a resident. So that defined me to be a dreamer. Dreamers are under this umbrella of undocumented immigrants. Thrizer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thrizer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate up front. From the client's perspective, Thrizer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thrizer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thrizer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thrizer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. So depending on the mainstream news source that people watch, um, there, there's some different portrayals of people, and I think that that has created an overarching narrative around some of these terms, and especially around, you know, as you're describing, undocumented and refugees. And I don't know that the media necessarily separates them as well as you do here. Katie and I, as born and bred people from America, we have a different perspective on how the media portrays uh, immigrants. How are from your side of things, how are Asian immigrants portrayed and what is that impact like? Yeah, that's a really good question. So Asian Americans in general, right, whether they are immigrants, whether they're refugees, whether they're undocumented, right, all of these terms, uh, whether they were born here or whether even they might be fourth or fifth, sixth generation Americans, They're all portrayed into this box. And often this box is painted as Asians with lighter skin color, often East Asians, and often a lot more recently too, as wealthy 
or quote unquote crazy rich, right? Mm -hmm. They're often portrayed to be smart, law-abiding, but not yet citizens. (laughs) They're still foreigners, but they are law-abiding, right? And so there's this huge gap of representation in the Asian diaspora. So geographically, Middle East, Southeast Asians are still part of Asia too, right? But in the United States, it really seems that how Asian and Asian Americans are displayed is really just one way and one picture. And I fall under that category too, as Korean American, as East Asian, often I find myself seeing people that look like me have my colored skin being displayed on the media. But yet they don't really have the full scale of the experience that I carry, right? They're usually very wealthy. I have no idea what they, how those people got their wealth. (laughs) But often, right, that those are the stories that are being told and none of the other stories get to be represented in the media. Or it seems like if they're represented in the media, there is this kind of sinister tone to it, and there's kind of a negative portrayal. Um, and so I, I guess the the question I have we've we've had some of this conversation before. We've talked a few times about the model mi- minority myth. We've talked about kind of some of the representations in the media, but but like honing this conversation into immigrants, refugees, and undocumented immigrants, it seems like that experience is a bit different than the folks that are fourth, fifth generation, those types of things, because I think there's there's something that we're missing when we don't have that full perspective. So maybe speaking into that would be helpful for our audience today. And we'll link to the other episodes in the show notes so people can dig deeper into kind of the broader topic of AAPI mental health. Yeah, for sure. And so going off of that a little bit. So then when you think of undocumented immigrants, right, oftentimes there is absolutely no portrayal or representation of Asian immigrants in that picture Mm -hmm. or in that light at all, right? Oftentimes you are seen on the news of people from Mexico or Latin America, Central America that are crossing the border, they're criminals, or they are portrayed to be drug dealers, Um, And undocumented immigrants, for a lot of them, although around half of them are from either Mexico or Latin America, a a lot of the other half are from all other parts of the world. And a big chunk of that are Asians. And yet we're not being displayed in that way, right? We, we We are not represented in that manner. What's the impact on people growing up without that representation? A lot of the things, the I guess the commonly shared concerns that undocumented immigrants and refugees have, first of all, most of the immigrants and refugee families, when we also think about them, it's that family unit that we think are all immigrants, all refugees right? Because that's also portrayed in the media, like all the families all coming together to have this survival. But in the United States, most immigrants and refugee families are what we like to call a mixed immigration status, right? So one of the examples of that is, of course, what I've mentioned, right? Where my parents became residents and then 
now citizens where I wasn't able to. I, ha- I was undocumented, right? So it, there's this mixed immigration status within one family unit. So I, I read um, that about two-thirds of children of undocumented parents, right, have U.S.-born citizen kids. So then they also have a lot of this, you know, mixed status within families, right? And then there's also children um, like me who move to the country at a young age and then stay undocumented. And then their parents got status. So there's a lot, right? Commonly shared concern that this family unit can have is this gap, right, of between parents and children. There's a huge gap of sometimes language barrier, but cultural barrier and value barriers too in understanding each other. And so these are things that a lot of our clients, my own clients are bringing into the table of being able to kind of discuss, hey, here's my identity as this one person and my parents do not share that identity in a similar manner, or their struggles are look so different from me. And yet I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to connect with them and connect with myself and connect with the community. And so these are very, very common struggles that I hear. I'm thinking that you have two clients, similar age, potentially similar heritage. You know, let's say both are Korean American and one is a refugee and one or, or, or an undocumented immigrant, and you can decide which one is more relevant here. And one is fourth or fifth generation. I may make assumptions if I don't understand the different stories, but, but what might be the nuance there of, of what I need to be aware of for this client that has either refugee or undocumented immigrant status? Like what, what are the things that are important for me to be aware of separate from kind of the experience as an Asian American? or Korean American in the United States? Yeah. So as undocumented or refugee immigrants, the daily struggles of unhidden trauma that they endure can look really different. If you can imagine, if you're an undocumented immigrant in the United States, you always can be thrown out of your home any time of the day. They literally come to your door, say, pack up your things, And then you're headed to the jail where then you'll wait to be sent to the airport and then out of here. For a lot of undocumented immigrants like me who consider themselves to be dreamers, this is our home. This is where we grew up. We we have no other home. We have uh, oftentimes the dreamers may not even speak the language of their parents' origin or where they come from themselves, right? So then there's this continual fear of, is this going to be it? So a lot of times you'll find that um, we, we call them the dreamers, we call ourselves dreamers, but at the same time, the dreams tend to be a lot smaller or not attainable because there's also educational barriers and there's financial barriers too, right? Undocumented immigrants also suffer from the fact that after you graduate from high school, you may not be able to go to college because oftentimes undocumented immigrants need to go through this whole other other paperwork in order for them to be 
admitted and pay for the tuition. Um, and out of college, if they do get through college, then how to find a job, right? Without documentation, oftentimes they are unable to find employment. Or when they do, it's what's called, you know, under the table pay, mm-hmm. right? So then this whole question of what is my future going to look like? I want to become this or that. I want to be an engineer just like everyone else. And I'm told that in America that we can fulfill this dream, right? I'm told I can be anything, except I'm not an American. So that dream is not really applicable to me, right? What I have to think about is what I'm what am I going to do to survive here? What am I going to do to attain status here so that that dream can come true, right? So this extra barrier, extra concern, extra fear that is always in the back of their minds. What do you recommend for therapists to do to work with this? I mean, there seems to be such great existential exploration here, but a lot of existential stuff can kind of come with the at least the traditional ways that it seems to be taught comes with the security of at least you have this time and this space that is going to be yours. But what do you recommend therapists do in working with clients presenting with kind of this fear that's kind of constantly always sitting there? Yeah. So I think for a lot of therapists, you're pretty familiar with being able to work with trauma and being familiar with working with PTSD. And so The first thing that I do want to note is for a lot of undocumented immigrants and for refugees, sharing the story oftentimes meant um, that their survival was at risk. And it it speaks true still for undocumented immigrants that are living here, right? For refugees, that might mean that back home that that was the case. If they identified themselves in a certain way or if they find if people find out or the government finds out about their their identity, their status, then they might be murdered, right? For undocumented immigrants here, if their undocumented status becomes known to the public, known to the government, anybody reports them or anything like that, that there, there's always the fear that now my home is going to be taken away, my everything will be taken away, right? So there's always that fear, So being able to come to therapy and to be asked to speak on your identity, to speak on your journey is quite a huge gap of what's being told for you to do on a survival basis, right? And to get to that story, I think, takes a long time of building rapport. And of course, that is the basic of all therapy. But really, though, to treat it, treat it very carefully in being able to provide a safe enough space and perhaps a more creative space so that perhaps the story, the entirety of their journey does not have to be nitpicked and talked about in a verbal manner, right? Are there modalities that you can adapt as a therapist that they can go through in their mind in a storybook, in an art format, or any other way in the motion format, right? That they can tell their story without having to be asked and interrogated about their story. 
Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. I, I feel like I want to know more about what you're describing here because this I, I think I'm understanding, but I don't want to make I want to make sure I'm not making assumptions. So you're talking about in putting creative methods forward. Yeah, tell me more. I'm I'm still kind of trying to sort this out. Okay, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so I really love utilizing EMDR as part of my practice. And I know uh, brain spotting can be another another one that goes off of EMDR because it utilizes the body and it goes through the journey of people's trauma without having to verbalize it. So I think that's a perfect example of how people can go through processing their fear and trauma responses without having to tell me about it. That makes sense. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> another thing. EMDR is definitely not for everyone, and it may not be very acceptable for some of my clients too, <laughs> especially some of the older older folks. Uh, they really don't like the idea of having to <laughs> move their eyes, or you know, they they really don't understand. Um, like, why why am I keep tapping myself? <laughs> uh, so so then I introduce just another format of like being able to draw out their story. So literally trying it out, like, is there a color that represents how you're feeling? Is there, um, or a rock or any item on your, on your table that you want to tell me about, right? That speaks to your culture, that speaks to your value. So then we're talking about this headband <laughs> that's sitting on their table. We're talking about um, sensory oriented things too. We talk about the weather a lot, actually as a way to imagine and use imagery of going back into their place of origin because weather exists everywhere. It's a common thing that we are experiencing and we are using our sensories to connect with it all the time, connect with ourselves and our sense of belonging in the world is oftentimes through temperature, through weather, through the humidity in the air. So then we talk about that and we talk about in comparison to how it was back in your country as well, right? And so then that brings about a little bit of healing in a way I get to explore, I get to talk about my other self or my other parts that I was told that I have to be hiding. And I get to bring that in here without being interrogated. And like you said earlier, this for clinicians who are coming from different backgrounds takes a lot of time to develop that trust and that ability to create and honor the space and the stories of people being able to tell them in their own ways. You know, one of the things, and this is totally not on our list of questions, but one of the things that I've seen a lot of excitement about is even just kind of the positive representations of like the movie Turning Red coming out that uh, has really opened up a lot of these stories and opportunities to talk about things in ways that haven't necessarily been so mainstream that clients, clinicians are really resonating with as an opportunity to say, oh yeah, this is, 
this is now something that allows for me to connect to this in a way that you might not have understood before. Yes. What is the question in that? There is not a question. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yes, for sure. Um, I think if I were to kind of just add to that, yeah. For a lot of clinicians, you can do a lot of research now on, on looking at these shows and being able to bring that into the therapy room. I think being able to talk about some of the mainstream media that is how they are portraying certain cultures and how clients may resonate with that or not resonate with that, what the differences are, what were you drawn to, what emotions came out of you from that, watching that, those are really good conversations to have about their family immigration journey or their, just their own understanding of their, their own um, cultural backgrounds. I want to address a couple of things. I know we don't have a lot of time, but I want to address a couple of things that, that you've talked about because I think they're just so visceral to me. Uh, and I think that that element of fear and dreams are small and, and some of these ideas around when you have either an undocumented status or if your refugee status maybe is at risk, depending on, I know there's a lot of different ways that folks are able to seek refugee status. And I know that there's some folks that have to keep re-upping it every, you know, whatever, few years, those types of things. And I think it can be extremely hard to build a life when you don't know if the future is what the future holds. And so maybe a little bit more into that topic, because there's the trauma, of course, and I love how you talked about kind of assessing that and being able to heal that. But I'm a practical person. I'm like, okay, well, part of our mental health is being able to set a course for our lives and being able to, to do some of these things. And I know that just doesn't sound like it's completely possible. So maybe if you can talk a little bit about how you walk in that space of finding mental health and wellness while also knowing that these fears are, are completely justified and this temporary status is something that, that really does impact folks on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. So when we talk about how fear interrupts their day-to-day basis, then we're getting into more of the behavior and the cognition of what, what it looks like on their day-to-day and how it impacts their day-to-day, right? So if the client is interested in working through their decision-making because the fear is getting in the way of making certain decisions of, for example, let's say, should I even accept this college because I'm not even sure if I'm going to continue into graduation. Why bother? Right? Now that's a mindset and a cognition and a belief system that we can work through within whatever you know, um, therapist modality of choice in order them to achieve the whatever it is that the client wants to achieve. Is it that they really want to go into college, but the fear is getting, getting in the way? Right? Another thing I think on a very practical level is just the level of anxiety and the threshold that they're living with on a day-to-day basis. So then the fear response and the trauma response um, comes out in a way where it's oftentimes insomnia within their relationships, right? So those are things that I think as mental wellness practitioners can really provide the tools for, right, on a day-to-day basis, of like, okay, what are you eating? <laughs> How are you sleeping? And are these things that we really should be concerned about, right? 
And, and just the, the final question that I have is, is about you're walking this journey yourself. And so I'm thinking about our, our audience members who are also undocumented, undocumented immigrants or folks who are in this space and you've accomplished becoming a therapist and doing those things, but it, it seems like it's something where there would be some additional things for our health, mental health providers who are in these spaces to, to be able to take care of themselves and to think about their journey as a therapist. And so kind of the survivor guide element for our, our therapists who are, are grappling with being undocumented or being a dreamer. For me, I think I, and everyone has their story of why they became a therapist. For me, I became a therapist because of my immigration journey. And that practice of finding myself, my story, my voice, and how to even understand that was the healing journey for me. And I found that through working with others that were telling about their story and was willing to open up their lives, their emotions, their family dynamic issues with me. I think so oftentimes people find understanding through relating their stories with others. The theme of what we're talking about today is how we're not being represented enough, that we're not being seen enough, we're not being heard enough, right, in all these different aspects of layers, in the media, in the government, (laughs) through this whole legal journey. So I think what I want to say is finding myself was the most healing thing that I could have done for my community at the end. I love that. Where can people find out more about you and the work that you're doing? So you can find us at yellowtrickcollective.com and on Instagram at yellowtrickcollective. We provide individual, family, couples, therapy services. But the unique thing that I think we're providing is the cultural specific identity issues um, and the support groups that built around those issues, right? We have a support group just called the Asian American Experience Support Group. (laughs) And although we wanted to make it a little bit of a therapy group where people can be doing a lot of processing, which we do, but we called it a support group because we realized that a lot of people outside of California were in need of mental health support and community spaces that they couldn't find um, it within their own states. So then we expanded it to be a support group. That way anyone in the United States can find us and sit in this online space and hear other people's stories like, and connect and relate and find healing in that. We will include links to all of that in our show notes. You can find those over at mtsgpodcast.com and follow us on our social media. Join our Facebook group, The Modern Therapist Group, and let us know your reactions to this episode, as well as uh, especially if you are a therapist with a similar 
story around being a refugee immigrant. Uh, we would love to continue to elevate voices in our community around that. And until next time, I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy and Sujin Lee. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code MODERN gets you two free months. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. 